Hello and welcome to Spooptober on the Grindhouse Girls podcast. This month we'll be focusing on some Halloween films to Hallow stream this spooky season. But of course, we'll be discussing all things spoopy, scary, and strange. As usual, we'd like to warn our listeners that some things that we discuss due to their graphic nature may be disturbing and listener discretion is advised. But for those of you who would like to be spooked out, keep listening and on to the podcast. In 1976, Erwin Yoblans saw the film Assault on Precinct 13 and really liked it. When the film producer decided he wanted to release it overseas, he took it to the Milan Film Festival. While there, he met a man named Michael Myers. Michael also liked Assault on Precinct 13 and entered it into film festivals. Erwin also had a partner, financer Mustafa Akkad, who wanted to get into the mainstream American film market. They saw potential in Assault's director, a young man by the name of John Carpenter, and Irwin specifically had an idea for a movie he wanted John to direct, Babysitters Being Stalked by Psychopaths. He even suggested to John that they could set it on Halloween night, and maybe even call the film Halloween. John and his then-girlfriend Deborah Hill would be set to writing a script and the movie would be financed for $300,000. It would go on to make $70 million at the box office. The independent horror film would also become a franchise spawning 13 movies total, including the original, and making its main antagonist, Michael Myers, a true horror icon. Tonight, on this very special Spooktober episode, we are discussing the granddaddy of slasher horror films, the one and only John Carpenter's Halloween. So sit back and lock those doors and windows, Girl Scouts. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Hello, this is Katie. And hi there, I'm Brittany. And we are joined by... Hello, my name is Armand Haddad with Syndicates, and I am very happy to be here today talking about this great movie. Welcome. We're if glad you, to have you. We're so glad to have you. Um, if you all have been keeping up with social media, we have been on, I think as of this release, two episodes on Syndicate. We've had a blast each time. So Armand is on here this time. And we are discussing, as you heard in the intro, Halloween, the 1978 one. But also we'll probably talk about a lot of the franchise and also the upcoming Halloween Ends finale to the newest reboot trilogy trilogy reboot Mm -hmm. trilogy so we are very excited we've been trying to do halloween for the whole time we've been on the podcast during spooktober during october and uh, it finally is streaming on shutter right now so you can watch it and um now not all the movies are streaming on shutter because they're all on different platforms because different people own all of them like right prep yeah that's true so like yeah it depends on the company but that's why they're not like across the board on one streaming service because that'd be like way too easy right that'd be too easy so armand do you want to introduce your background and your uh you picked halloween for us so you want to explain why you picked it i will explain 
Uh, first and foremost, Halloween 1978 is definitely my favorite horror movie of all time. I know it's hard to pick a favorite movie, especially a favorite horror movie, but with Halloween, it's just, yeah, you know, it just holds a very special place in my heart because, like, growing up, my friends and I watched a whole bunch of horror movies and we went through all of the Halloween movies. And for some reason, the slasher genre, I think, is defined. Uh, by Halloween, which we'll probably get into oh, when talking yeah. about this film. But uh, yeah, I, I chose it because I just love talking about this movie. I think it's a great film. It's made well, and I think there's a lot to unpack. Oh, definitely. It is one of my favorites. I used to always turn it on on Halloween night. And the second one used to play on, I think, AMC over and over again when I was growing up. So I think I saw that one between the first two. I've probably seen each of them about 15 times, if not more throughout my life but it's one that I'm never bored with and I think that just speaks to how well it was made for a very small budget and all of the filmmakers including the cast and production crew like the average age of everyone was about 26 and it was really a labor of love a lot of people worked on there for free and like it just was one of those little movies that could kind of thing i mean you obviously couldn't get away with that now you have to pay people but (laughs) (laughs) it's it's pretty cool how it came about and all the people that were like oh i'll just take 10 percent in profits are really sitting pretty now so it was worth it i think i think it's cool too my mom actually saw this when she was a freshman in college and she told me years ago when she saw this she's like it scared me so bad i went back to my apartment and i literally hid all the knives under my bed i mean and i think that's hilarious <laughs> sense and i asked her recently because we were doing this i said mom you saw halloween when you were a freshman in college and she said yeah i said did you get to like see on halloween night she goes oh no this movie was sold out for like weeks she's like i didn't see it well into november because oh, wow. it was so sold out. Well, yeah. the marketing's so good too. Because like, see it on Halloween, and I thought it was interesting. I was watching the documentary making of, and they were like, you know, no one had used Halloween as a title yet before, and I couldn't believe it. But I was like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. And so, just by like some stroke of luck, because they could have said it on any night, it could have been Easter Vigil Eve <laughs> or something. I don't know, some Arbor Day, but. I think Halloween is perfect. They said supposedly this like brought Halloween to a lot of different countries around the world who weren't familiar with the fest, like the idea of Halloween too, because they were like, what is this? And I think it changed. I think the title changed depending on a few different areas too, because they didn't have Halloween. So they said it on like witch's night, like a Halloween, a holiday uh, close to Halloween. Yeah. Well, because Halloween or Samhain, because we talked about this a lot, because we did Trick or Treat last year. Okay, they say Samhain in a lot of the Halloween sequels, but it's Samhain. (laughs) But if you, like, live in a country that Christianity is a big thing, you're going to know what Halloween is because it's all Hallows Eve, because it's the day before All Saints Day. But before that, they stole it from the pagans. So if any of those countries, but, like, I know, like, Japan, Halloween is not a big thing there. Like, they don't really dress up. I'm always, like, kind of sad because I'm just like, you don't, you don't do Halloween? Because I love Halloween. You get candy, you get to wear costumes, and hopefully you don't get stalked by a man in a mask. But in this movie, you do. Yeah. And none of them dressed up, so I really think that was the thing. Like, you should have dressed up. That was your trick. Yeah, Japan's too busy, uh, you know, 
going from place to place, avoiding demons and women coming out well, of wells. And... That is true. Oh, Maybe yeah. they have too much spooky stuff all year round. Yeah, they're too busy for Halloween. Too busy. Yeah. I think in England it's oh, it's kind of big, but I still don't think it's as big as in America. I think America, maybe Canada. I feel like Canada has it as well, pretty big. But there's a lot of like countries that I would just assume are real into the spooky times that they're just like, no, we're good. Thanks. That's interesting because even here in America, you have people who are like absolutely obsessed with Halloween and then you have people who don't even like put a pumpkin on their doorstep. Oh, there's also, well, growing up in the Bible Belt, there are people who think it's like evil to celebrate Halloween. I mean, you would, and they'll get, like I went to 12 years of Catholic school and like my parents are like some of the biggest Halloween people. And we had a Halloween like party at our school. Like they had like a Halloween festival, but my neighbors were like, you can't go out on Halloween. And I was like, what? what are you talking about? Of course I'm going to go out on Halloween. That is wild. As it a is. northerner, <laughs> that is, that is wild. You probably don't have to contest with that as much. But the thing is like in the suburbs, like you still have those like hardcore Christian people that are like, Oh, Harry Potter is evil. Oh yeah. And Burn the Halloween. You can't be scary. You have to go to the church for a special evening for the kids. I think we call it like trunk or treat or yep. something. Yep. We have like plenty of trunk or treats here. They do I don't do even understand what it is. Are there a bunch of drunks? Exactly. Well, well, it is. Yeah, because you oh, have a bunch of trunks. I thought you said a bunch of drunks. A bunch <laughs> of drunks. Well, no. it's not a church, so it depends on the church, I guess. No, that's what it is. So it's a bunch of trunks. So people like all line up their cars and they like basically they, they like yeah they may decorate them too, but they just like really? sit or stand near their trunk and they just hand out candy. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember going. Pictured. It's. I guess it's nice if like you live in a neighborhood that does like is really spread out and stuff i think it's nice in those areas and because like alabama has a lot of rural areas where like you can't go trick-or-treating whereas like i was lucky like i lived in a neighborhood where i could go trick-or-treating and we got we were a very active neighborhood but like my current neighborhood the rest of my neighborhood's very active on halloween my street i was like the only house with decorations and lights up last year and i went ham i did have trick-or-treaters but they all like walked two blocks down to my street because they we saw your house from afar and i gave them a ton of candy because i was very excited to have trick-or-treaters that's the thing that upsets me is i'm like but the neighborhood aspect oh well it's funny in our neighborhood because we have like a very suburban neighborhood it's like one in every seven houses are decorated for halloween yeah yours is huge and then our little cul-de-sac it's only us and our neighbor directly across from us and we're like waving at each other because we're like all dressed up they're all dressed up they have their lights we have our lights and it's funny because we'll sit and wait for the kids and there won't be kids for like 15 20 minutes and then there'll be a group of like 20 children just swarm you i don't know about you two but like a dream for me since watching a little movie called hocus pocus i always oh. wanted to live on that neighborhood oh yeah where oh, yeah. they are where all the houses are decorated all the kids are like flooding into the streets and they just have random straw like yeah. displays up where you can just go cry when your brother makes fun of you i was like <laughs> What neighborhood just has, like, a place where you can just, like, hang out? Yes, Hocus Pocus is one of my absolute favorite Halloween movies of all time. That's a good one, yeah. Probably next to Halloween. I've probably watched it the most on Halloween. That and the Disney Channel original movies, Halloween Town, Don't Look Under the Bed, and And Under Wraps, which is my favorite. Ooh, those are such good movies. Like, Calabar, he's like an A-tier villain. 
that voice i will have the power and you're like what the hell that guy was just like chillaxing 10 minutes ago okay i know he's so good like in your opinion who would win if there was like a three-way battle between calabar emperor palpatine and voldemort (laughs) oh they all look the same they do all look the same (laughs) is our boy calabar going down first i think he'd have to because you know (laughs) I mean, but he and Palpatine have kind of electric powers. That's true. So that would be one thing. I feel like they would get distracted by each other and Voldemort would just zap them both or have Nagini come by and eat them both. (laughs) Voldemort is very formidable. Like, I always find the Emperor not scary and more funny in Star Wars. And I I love Star Wars, but I'm like, I'm always like... I don't know. Palpatine, it's always Vader that's the scarier one. And honestly, Vader had the true power, which is when he let his guard down and he actually was like, wait, I can just throw him down this electrical shaft. And then he did. So spoilers for Return of the Jedi, y'all. A <laughs> 50,000 year old movie. But I think Voldemort will win that. Sorry, Calabar. I think y'all are distracted. <laughs> but that's an interesting setup. They do all, they do, and they all have robes. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. Weird. So look out for bald men in robes, apparently, y'all. But yeah. Speaking of bald men, we have Michael a bald Myers. man in this movie. Not Michael Myers. No. Sam Dr. Loomis. Loomis. Dr. Loomis. Well, his mask is like balding. Sam Loomis. Because it's, <laughs> I, I, so I have to admit, I did forget the line. The evil has escaped. I, I was like, oh whoa. God. I was like, he's, I forgot about that line. He's a little bit of like a harbinger, like from uh, the cabin in the woods. I'm like, he's both the white whale guy from. Oh, 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 oh. Ahab. Thank you. He's the Ahab and the Harbinger. Sorry. He really is. Yeah. I like him. I do too. Ever since I was like a little kid, I've always liked Dr. Loomis. I also, I did look up when they were talking about the um, casting. I thought it was funny that both Christopher Lee and talking of Star Wars, Peter Cushing also turned down that Dang role yeah. yeah i know and like i was like christopher yeah. lee you did lord of the rings and all the dracula movies and oh count dooku oh my god and star wars and they he, all did star wars and what's funny is i don't know if you guys saw this but basically donald like told john he was like yeah um i don't really know who my character is and the only reason i took this is because i have alimony to pay but my daughter really <laughs> liked your film assault on precinct 13 and she liked the music because yeah. she was a musician and oh so she, she liked his yeah. music from assault on precinct 13 Oh, and that's cute. They say initially, like, he wasn't too, like, fond of the film. But eventually, I mean, he must have enjoyed it because he t- returned over and over oh and over God. again to it be in the other movies. bread and butter. And he yeah. was a pretty, like, experienced actor at the time. They were kind of surprised they could get him. But I will say, because they could only get him for one week while they were filming, they had to film all of his scenes back to back. So John Carpenter would be kind of trying to, like, set him up for the scenes. And so... Like, there's this one clip. If you guys haven't seen the documentary making of, someone has uploaded on YouTube, um, and I ended up watching a few minutes of it. It's John Carpenter explaining to him that he's like, and so the kids have just, you know, done the nasty. And Donald's like, oh my, what? (laughs) And it's just like, he's like, yeah, I know. And he's like, so, and then you're going to go over here. And it's just really cute. I was just like, that's adorable. Because I guess he really didn't 100% know what was going on because he was only there for a week. So he wasn't there filming everything and they only took four weeks to film this movie. So they were just like, yep, let's get you in and out. Evil. Yeah. It's kind of like Mermaid Man. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, Evil has escaped. See, so see, you made him upset again. We'll we'll get into the synopsis a little bit, but I know probably what people want to know is like, how do we feel about this movie isolated versus how they went with the franchise afterwards? Oh my love god! I mean, it's so many retcons. Yeah, so many. Yeah, every movie has a retcon. Yeah, they changed something. So first of all, and this is, again, spoilers for all the Halloween franchises, but it's fine, y'all. I will say the second one, I love the second one at the hospital. I love the camp of it. It's a little more campy. Mm -hmm. It's a little more classic slasher, but it's not overly bloody. And I think it still remains very true to Halloween's core. However, they, of course, we all know they're like, oh, hey, Lori is actually Michael's sister that they gave up for adoption. And you're like... Uh, okay. Now, as Quentin Tarantino said on Eli Roth's History of Horror that I was watching today on the Slasher, I was like, that's a load of bullshit! (laughs) But I'm not, he said it like that too, because it's Quentin. But do we love it? Do we hate it? I don't hate it, but I'm also, it's scarier if it's random. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Katie, I think you're confusing the second one with the third one, because in the second one, we didn't have the hospital scene. Uh, the hospital scene comes in Halloween Kills because the second. Oh, I think she's Halloween, talking about no, the Halloween. 1982. No, no, Halloween 2. And 1980. Yeah, that's like- what I'm saying. Halloween 2, the Halloween 2018. We didn't have oh. the hospital. I'm oh, making yeah, a they joke. Skip it. It's not they, skip it. Oh, they skip wah, it. They skip it. I actually have not seen Halloween 2018. 20- 18 yet because if it wasn't oh, streaming what? it wasn't streaming anywhere I okay went to, but i did i saw halloween in theaters and do i you want know to know incidentally halloween 2018 has the second highest rotten tomato score in the entire franchise that's well that's the thing i, so I hated good. halloween kills i hated it halloween yeah, it's, not, it's not a good movie the gore was good the halloween is so good it's like a true sequel like because well, yeah like, it does something different that the other movies, Hallow- you know, Halloween 2, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, and Halloween 6, The There was supposed to be a resurgence. The dance. Yeah. <laughs> the girl. <laughs> the dance. <laughs> like, it does something dance different. Dance of Dragons, Michael Myers. Yeah. Yes. A, da- a dance of Michael Myers. <laughs> a, dance of, a dance of Michael Myers. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> there's multiple. Yeah. I, I, I kind of. I don't think we needed a reboot. However, I love Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode. And I do think taking away the sister aspect is a positive thing. But then I saw Halloween Kills and they just kept screaming, Evil dies tonight. Yeah, that's all I remember. Evil dies tonight. And it was, I was laughing hysterically. There was only one other group in the theater when I saw it. Thank God. Because me and my friend Kat were just cackling you know what the thing about halloween kills is is that i literally saw it last halloween because it was like we rented it and mm. this very rarely happens to me during a movie but i zoned out like three or four times during that movie i don't halloween even know kills? yeah halloween kills i would just i'd be looking at the screen and then just zone and then go yeah. oh my god I just missed a whole line of dialogue what did they say like evil dies tonight evil I dies guarantee tonight you that's what they were yeah. saying but i like I the first halloween different experience yeah so halloween... premiere oh see oh. yeah premieres are very oh. different festival yeah well i bet that was everyone fun. was cheering was jamie lee there no oh well 
But see, the thing is, I like Halloween, like the 2018 Halloween I enjoyed. It was Halloween Kills. And even, I don't, okay, so here's the thing. Me and my brother are very differing. Uh, we both love scary movies. But Brandon is like a s- true slasher guy. And, and then me, I'm like an elevated horror type girl. He's a murder guy. Yeah. Mur- he's the, because I, I was thinking about this. I was like, I am not the person who roots for the bad guy. And I think your brother, a yes. lot of people are. They're like, I want to see all the kills. I want to see the people outsmart the bad guy. But, like, your brother has, like, a Jason oh, tattoo. Yes. But that's, like, that's a whole vibe, and that's a valid horror Oh, yeah. And that's just, fandom. like, it is a part of, like, some people, they just, like, they're rooting for it. Because especially, like, with a franchise character, you love them. You've seen all these movies with them. So, Brandon was, like, sitting front row at all these more recent Jason premieres, um, which is hilarious. Brandon was, like, you know, the kills and Halloween kills are amazing. And oh, I'm, like, okay. to me, it feels like, Michael Myers is more violent in Halloween Kills than any other movie. Like, the kills were almost, like, overkill to me. Well, I guess he was trying to stay true to the title. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very true. I did not like the ending, and I did not like the twist where the whole town tries to kill him, and then he eviscerates all of them. Oh. I was just like, I know. I know in a little bit we're going to get into theories. Like, I know not right now, but I do have a few theories, and some of them are, like, ground. I don't know if they'll bring the cold of form back. That seems almost too much. Yeah, because that was the thing that I really did not like in the sequels to the original Halloween was, like, Oh, there's a magical cult, and that's why he's so powerful. But at least it explains how Michael can drive a car, am I right? <laughs> you know, I know like he just escaped. Something. We're probably going to bring it back in the third movie. Or, well, or, okay. Uh, probably, uh, I okay. I haven't. Watched, I think we're getting into it. Yeah, I haven't watched <laughs> any reviews yet because it, it premieres as we're recording this. It premieres in two days. Yes, and I haven't watched any reviews. But uh, Spooky Astronauts, which is a really good horror YouTube channel, she's an Australian YouTuber that does a lot of spooky content. She put up a review like this afternoon and I didn't watch it, but the little blurb was like, they did what? What the fuck? And I was like, oh, no. What? She's like, I did not expect it to go this way. And I was like, here's my theory. Okay. John, we talked about John Carpenter is a great musician. Yes. And the Halloween soundtrack, especially in the 2018 version, is so good. It's Iconic. so good. Yeah. And the end credits, you have uh, that interlude, uh, the bridge uh, at the end of uh, the Halloween theme. It goes into like this, like, I can't describe it, like this piano solo type thing. Yeah. And it kind of sounds a little witchy. So I know I what think, you're talking about. I think possibly that's a little hint. That we or might get are they going to go totally Halloween 3 season of the witch, which I personally love that one. Okay. And go like, happy, happy Halloween. Okay. So I have a few. Are, are we officially kind of getting into theories? I think we're getting into theories. Okay. So I have like the very like normal theory, which is of course like, okay, Michael dies, but all of Haddonfield burns with him. Like Haddonfield's destroyed. And killing Michael. Including Lori? That's the thing. I'm like, either Michael dies or Michael and Lori both die, right? I feel like there must be a magical curse on Lori and Michael because she's got this theory in the trailer where she's like, I must have to take him out with me. It's going to be like a Harry Potter Voldemort thing. Well, someone brought up the, like, someone said this before and they were like, you know, usually in trilogies, there's something secretive about the main character that's revealed by someone like in in the midst of everything, like another main character. And I'm like, okay, let's hypothetically say that there is a secret. 
that someone knows about Michael, does it explain why he's basically immortal and why nothing kills him? Yeah. Also, the weird psychiatrist, because I do know about this part in the- Dr. Wynn. Dr. Wynn. Mm -hmm. I wonder if, like, he's part of the cult. Yeah, if it's, like, in the third movie. Now, someone did say something interesting that I really, really like, and I do want to expound on this. So, someone said, you know- Michael is called the shape in the first Halloween, which is like, Mm -hmm. yeah, we do know he's called the shape. And we know like during the Salem witch trials, the shape was like essentially like a shadow of someone who would torment other people. Okay. So we're like, okay, very interesting, like usage of words. And they're like, what if like the shape that possessed Michael, like he's unpossessed and it goes into someone else's body. And I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't elaborate that. What if that's the case? And then we follow someone else who's possessed and Halloween becomes a horror anthology series they always wanted it to originally be. I mean, could make more sense why John Carpenter signed off on another franchise. Yeah, because I'm like, we knew Seasons of Witch was like basically them dipping their toes into being like, what if like we made it into an anthology film? And I really like that idea. I'm like, what if they did do something like that? Like this is yeah. the end of Michael as we know him, but not the end of the franchise completely. I mean, because be they cool. said this is not the last Halloween movie, which oh. made, which everyone was like, oh, there's going to be more Michael Myers. But I think we're going to get John Carpenter's true vision for the series because he always wanted to be an anthology film. Yeah. yeah. And when he did Season of the Witch, everyone was like, no, I want to see the knife guy. Bring <laughs> him back. He is technically <laughs> in it on the television a couple of times. So right. you all got your wish. I like Season of the Witch. I think it's yeah. very, it's so Halloween-y and atmospheric and like, it's kind of campy, but also like the masks turning you into like bugs and nasty things. Like yeah. I was like, that's just so gross and like terrifying. Yeah. Like, and from watching television, commercialism, like it's, it's an interesting look at that. And something John Carpenter has done a lot of social commentary not so much on Halloween. Yeah. But like some of his other movies have definitely been social commentary. And I think that was, I mean, he didn't really have much of a hand in Season of the Witch, but I thought it was going more towards something thematic. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And Is I, it kind of silly? Yeah. But I liked it. Well, with this new trilogy, I thought the first one seemed a little bit more grounded in reality. And maybe what Halloween kills the thing that kind of like, made me feel weird was that it was a little more fantastical if that's the right word yeah like especially when like you said the whole town is literally beating the crap out of him and he's like i'm gonna kill them all like you know it felt a little like tone the tone kind of shift with that well and i will say like i thought the town all killing him was kind of dumb but i was like i mean okay but that can't be the end because it's the second movie and then him coming back I was like well now I'm just annoyed like I'm like that was kind of dumb and now that was really dumb so I don't know I hope they either go full tilt dumb where it is like a witchy thing and it's over the top and it does continue the anthology because I would like a Halloween anthology I would like a Halloween tradition that is not Saw or a paranormal activity movie Yeah, because I like the idea of like the same franchise every uh halloween but like i'm not a found footage person do you, um, do you guys have any other theories of what could maybe happen uh michael myers dies yes 
and that's all she wrote. Or possibly because in one of the trailers, which was so cringe, uh, Laurie Strode <laughs> was like, "He only dies if I die," and I'm like, "Oh no, we're linked, him and I." And I'm like, "Oh no, please don't, please don't do this." Is she gonna kill them both at the same time? She dies, and then he dies. That's the thing, I and I. It's been a hot minute, I will admit. Like, other than the first Halloween, which I've also watched over and over again, I've seen every Halloween movie at least once, but some of them have been literal years. And I wasn't in Halloween 2 that Loomis killed himself and Michael, and yet Loomis returns again and again. Because Loomis is a badass. Yes. Yeah. I do agree Loomis is a badass. Loomis tries to do the same thing in Halloween 2. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. he tries to burn themselves alive, right? Yeah, and then it doesn't work. And then it's just over and over again where he gets more crazy. So maybe Lord is just the new Dr. Loomis. Yeah. But also, like, I want I want Lori to have a happy life, but I don't think this Lori is going to. Which makes me kind of mad because the Lori in the first movie is a Girl Scout, and I think she deserves a happy life. I think it's like also very interesting because of course, you know, I think Halloween was kind of the the movie that sparked like, oh, the virginal final girl. And like John Carpenter and Deborah Hill were like, we never intended for that to be a thing. At <laughs> right. All. Like it's like the only reason Lori survived was because she was aware of her surroundings and her right. friends weren't. And she's smart too. If yeah. You, you know, I guess we can kind of get into the synopsis a little bit now since we're talking about Lori in the first movie. But, like, you know, Lori mentions, like, she freaks out when she's walking in with her two best friends, Linda and Annie. And she's like, oh, my God, I forgot my chemistry book. And Linda's like, I always hear every chemistry <laughs> book. Who was played by the incomparable PJ Souls from Carrie. But I'll say, they literally but wrote the uh, role for PJ, too. They did. Yeah. Um, and she's like, I forget all my books. But, like, Lori is very, is the smart one. She's very intelligent. And she's responsible. So it's not that her friends are even, like, not intelligent it's just they don't pay attention they don't think anything can happen and she is kind of that person who gets spooked easily so she does pay attention and so also she's not the perfect final girl she drops the knife a couple times which i was like laurie why would you do that funny because years later that's the number one question she gets asked about halloween they're like why did you drop the knife they still ask her (laughs) she's like i was Night. Well, she was 19 when she filmed it, but... Well, this was also... It's so interesting watching this movie, like, you know, all these years later, because now there's things like you're like, double tap, double tap, because even Taylor was screaming at the TV the other night because he's like, stab him again! Stab him again! And it's like, yeah, nowadays we think about that. Like, you know, one time is not enough. You have to shoot him or stab him. <laughs> yeah. Well, Loomis doesn't play in yeah. the movie. Like, he shoots to kill, which is yeah. why the ending is so strange so i guess we'll we'll do a quick synopsis real quick and we'll like really start talking about halloween i guess now unless we have any other theories for halloween ends we want to share beforehand those are all mine i think we already went over the creative team which is john carpenter obviously deborah hill oh deborah's Um, a badass deborah hill's by the way deborah hill has some cameos in the first movie that I find amazing. Dean Cundy was the DP. And Robert England was a set director, uh, a set decorator on this. That's awesome. Which I found hilarious. I do have to give a shout out because Deborah uh, did 
co-write the screenplay with John. And I know you probably saw this. Uh, you guys may have saw this. So John wrote all Sam Loomis's speech. Deborah wrote all the girls' dialogue. Yeah, she was like the girl talk. She was the girl talk dialogue person. But Deborah's from Haddonfield, New Jersey. So uh-huh. that's how we know. That's So that's where how Michael's from Haddonfield. It was yes. an ode to her. So I love her. So synopsis for... Halloween 1978, not 2018. Sorry, guys. Uh, On Halloween night, Laurie Strode and her fellow babysitting best friends are stalked by a mysterious figure returning home for revenge. So now we're going to go into heavy spoilers if we haven't already spoiled it for you. Um, So go watch this on Shudder if y'all haven't seen this yet because it's the best Halloween movie ever. Anyways, so we're talking about Lori, Lori Strode, but before we get to Lori, we have to have like the best opening sequence that has probably been parodied about a thousand times, if not more, of any Halloween movie, and maybe any slasher movie. I don't know. It's not quite a cold open because we do get this like open with just Halloween and the cast and the Halloween pumpkin, the jack-o'-lantern burning, and it's just the John Carpenter theme. The it's very repetitive, very almost hypnotic, I would say. And we have this viewpoint from the view of the presumed killer where there's this girl and her boyfriend, and it's Halloween night. And they go upstairs, giggling to fool around, which was honestly like the quickest fooling around. Yeah, it was ever. like a minute, like it's one like minute. A minute. Exactly. I don't know what they did up there, but it was quick. It was quick. But everyone's like naked, so I was like, okay, still don't understand it, but okay. Well, they're teenagers, I but guess. still, like I'm like that's no, no foreplay, no nothing. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. But I also will say before when we open on that scene. I always forget about this part until I watch it again. And there's like these little children's voices serenading us with this little, um, this tune. It's like a little rhyme. It's black cats and goblins and broomsticks and ghosts, covens of witches with all of their hosts. You may think they scare me. You're probably right. Black cats and goblins on Halloween night. But it's creepier because it's teeny tiny little children. And trick or treat. Yeah, then they say trick or treat. You're like, oh, okay, it's Halloween. Um, so this unknown person grabs a knife, and this, the hand that grabs the knife is actually Deborah Hill's hand. Yes. Because they were using the Steadicam, which is brand new, which actually was the Panasonic version of it. And it was brand new, and she was the only one that could be there that had small enough hands to look like a child. So she's actually the one doing all of the hand stuff. So they grab a butcher knife. They see the boyfriend leave. They grab the clown mask that the boyfriend put on and they walk into this girl's room and the girl is like you know just sitting there at her vanity in nothing but a pair of panties just brushing her hair door's not locked as you do yeah because she's like babysitting so you're like okay i mean it's her room but she's like michael so obviously the killer's name is michael and you see michael walk up to her and just start stabbing now, of course, everyone will see that the person stabbing doesn't even look at her while they're stabbing her, but whatever, there's blood. And they actually did do that. Well, okay, they did it three times in one take, but they actually ended up splicing together three different takes. You can see the cuts, but it was a one take shot. They had to do it with one take the whole sequence. Anyways, Michael runs out, leaving the girl dead on the floor. And Michael is a six-year-old child in a clown costume. 
and you see their parents come home and he's apparently killed his sister. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting. I know what they're doing. They're creating like a tableau because their dad's like, Michael? But then they just like hold still there. I like, know. Like, and they just for, like... For a very long time. Very so, slowly. <laughs> and also Michael has blood on the knife but not on his suit. His little clown suit, which is interesting too. Well, she also just has blood spread over her chest. I mean, I will say... This movie is not here for the gore. It's for the suspense. It's very Hitchcockian. And that is a big influence, which is one of the reasons they were okay with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis as the main actress. Because mm-hmm. they were turned down by a, a, a one actress that he really wanted, turned them down. And so, which she did have a career, but not quite of the prestige that Jamie Lee Curtis has. And Jamie Lee Curtis had done, like, a television show, but really people just knew her for her mom, who, if you didn't know, she is the daughter of Tony Curtis, who was in Marilyn Monroe's The Seven, I mean, not Seven Years, uh, Some Like It Hot, and Janet Lee, who yeah. is Marion Crane in Psycho. Yeah. Which wow, also wow, has, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> I'm sure everyone here knows that. That's like, that's like horror trivia. A, uh, 101 but you yeah. know but so michael's a six-year-old child and you're like well that's weird yeah but you skip ahead to several years and we have dr loomis yeah so now we're like on october 30th 1978 uh-huh so, yeah outside a sanitarium which is like i would call it like a i guess nowadays we'd call it mental hospital yeah psychiatric hospital but back then they called it a sanitarium and he's played by donald pleasance mm-hmm. who we already mentioned was a very established actor he was in at least he was a james bond villain and oh, yeah, he was blofeld. also i'm sorry his name was blofeld blofeld the scar bond villain yeah. uh he was also in thx 1138 which was george lucas's first feature um the great escape buried alive and i think the james bond movie was you only live twice and he also has a nurse named marion which this actress came back for several sequels and in the new franchise so this is one of those loyal halloween people who marion is played by nancy stevens um, she was on a lot of soaps, and she was in D2, The Mighty Ducks, Aww. which I just was very excited about that, and recently Halloween Kills. But yeah, Loomis and Marion, the nurse, are driving to pick up Michael Myers, because this is 16 years later, mm-hmm. and he is like, or 15 years 15, later, yeah. she's like, what are you going to do when you get it? And he's like, oh, you have to like drug him. She's like, well, he's barely going to be able to like stand at his hearing. He's like, that's the idea. He's evil evil and so you get the vibe that he might not be the nicest guy you get there and all of the patients are walking around in the rain and the nurse is like well that's weird and loomis just gets out of the car and leaves her ass in the car yeah and he's just like bye and and she's like that's weird and you see a person leap on top of the car and she does the last thing i would do and rolls down the fucking window yeah and it's like she's what's going on up there but she is smart because when the hand comes down she does escape get to the other side of the car then it breaks the windshield and she runs out which was smart because she does survive and it's michael and he takes their car yeah which again he's been in an institution since he was six how does he know how to drive? Yeah, so there, they there's like a possible. So I don't know if you guys came across this in your research. So there was a novelization for this film. It was very very rare, 
Um, oh, I want to buy that so bad. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's very hard to find, but there's a novelization and it suggests it's because Dr. Loomis drove Michael to and from appointments so often that he's very observant, which is true to his nature. And he just was very observant watching Dr. Loomis drive the car. I don't know. Yeah. Of course, the other suggestion is that the cold of thorn somehow taught him how to oh, drive a car. So, too. yeah. But he does, he does manage to at least drive away. Yeah. And of course, Dr. Loomis is very upset about this. And that The evil us, has escaped! The Sorry. evil has escaped! And that brings us to Haddonfield. Yeah. Um, which is where most of the story takes place. And Laurie Strode, which we already mentioned, is played by Jamie Lee Curtis, who has been in, oh my god, so many things. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people our age or younger probably saw the Freaky Friday movie. Personally, I like A Fish Called Wanda. That's yeah. a great movie she's in with Kevin Klein, who is, I think she is still married to Kevin Klein. I think they are still married, which I didn't realize they were married until very recently. I was like, oh, geez. And oh, my girl, I forgot she was in my girl. And of course, Knives Out. Oh, Knives Out. Knives Out. And Prom Night. Yeah. She became kind of like the slasher queen after this. Prom Night is not that good, but it's obviously about a homicidal prom night. Uh, I don't know. Armand, what's your favorite Jamie Lee Curtis feature other than Halloween, I guess? You know, she was really good in Knives Out. I mean, Knives Out is just a great film overall. But I mean, other than that one, I mean, it's kind of hard to top Halloween. But yeah, she was also good in Trading Places with uh, Dan Aykroyd and uh, Eddie Murphy. Oh, yeah. I forget she's in that movie. By the way, I messed up. It's not Kevin Kline she's married to. It's Christopher Guest. Okay, yes. Sorry. For some reason, I got very confused with the two of them. Who Christopher Guest, if y'all don't know, is the guy who does all of the well he's the guy with the many fingers in princess bride but oh, also okay. he is the director of like best in show and waiting for guffman yeah all the uh, and this is spinal tap did he did he direct a fish called wanda maybe that's why i got it confused kevin klein's married to somebody that i didn't realize was married to anyways <laughs> but yeah so we meet laurie strode and laurie seems very very nice not too quiet she's got friends she seems pretty close with her parents. Her dad's a realtor and he asks her to drop off a key at the Myers home because they're going to have buyers who never show up, by the way, that I see. Yeah. Or if they did, they got murdered. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but something John Carpenter told Jamie Lee Curtis, even though she didn't really understand it at the time, was like he wanted her to play a vulnerability. So, And she didn't really understand it till she went and saw the movie with an audience after it opened and everyone started screaming at her for this sequence when she's walking back and forth from the houses like don't go in that house don't go in there and she's like oh okay i get it you want them to like root for me yeah okay and because Lori is very different from who jamie lee curtis was as a teenager jamie lee curtis was a cheerleader she's very popular she was not quiet at all but Lori is quiet her friends are cheerleaders She's popular enough, but she's not hinging on popularity. She's much more of a bookworm. Yeah. And she runs into Tommy Doyle, her young charge for the evening that she'll be babysitting, and goes to drop off the key at the Myers house. Which, by the way, Tommy Doyle is played by Brian Andrews, who did a lot of TV movies and soap operas as a child. He tells her, oh, that's the spooky house. Like, you can't go into there. It's haunted. And she's like, well, I have to. She goes to drop off the key and we can see Michael Myers inside the house already. Although she does not see him. And they go on their merry way. And we learn that Lori is going to be babysitting Tommy for Halloween night, which is tonight. 
And Jamie, as she walks away, well, Lori, but Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis made up this song that she sings yeah. as she's leaving. And they bring it back for the new Halloween movies, apparently, but it wasn't a real song. She just made it up off the top of her head. So they had to, like, write a song with those lyrics and that tune around that. And for the new movies, they could bring it back. And I was like, well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's an iconic scene. It is. I think she's like, I wish we could be alone. It's like just the two two of of us. us." Yeah. Which is like, Michael's just staring in the background. Oh, it's so good. So subtle. You get that. You get the the laundry scene where he's like looking with the laundry. Oh, you know, with that scene. And, you know, this time around, I've seen this movie so many times, but like watching it, you know, for this podcast. So Laurie Strode is looking out the window. She sees Michael Myers in between the bedsheets with the laundry and the camera goes back to her and then the camera goes back to the laundry and he's gone. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. implies that as she is looking at him, he disappears because she doesn't react. (laughs) I'm like, okay, it's canon. He now teleports. (laughs) I mean, it explains a lot, really. Also, I think it's interesting she doesn't leave, like, she lays down in her bedroom afterwards because that'd be the last thing I want to do if I just I saw call, a man staring at me. I would make sure all my doors were locked. Me too. That's what I was thinking. I would run downstairs and lock like, the doors. Oof. Yeah. There's nothing worse than, like, coming home and realizing, or, like, coming back inside from your house and, like, getting distracted and then, like, realizing, like, an hour later you never locked the back door. And then you're like, oh, shit. You know what, though? I will say, so my mom and my dad let me watch a lot of scary movies way too young. And they also let me read a lot of, like, true crime stuff way too young. And so all I had to do when I was, like, 9 or 10 read about Richard Ramirez and how he would, would like, go up to people's doors. And if the door was unlocked, he was like, okay, this is a sign. You go in and kill people in the house. Ever since reading that, I always turn around anytime I go into my house, lock the door, get in my car. First thing I do is lock the door. Oh, yeah. And this is years later, just because I read that when oh, I was yeah. 10. Like, so. Oh, yeah. I guess Lori's a little nonchalant. But, you know, <laughs> she's fine. I'm going to take a nap right here. Doing, he's just sniffing the game laundry detergent. We do shoot back to Loomis, who's absolutely furious, of course. And no one apparently is going to help him find this murderer which i found disturbing but you know okay he's gonna go find him and he's gonna head to haddonfield and laurie throughout the day keeps seeing michael myers he's stalking her like she's so the teacher's talking about fate and she's like distracted because she sees him across the street and they disappears tommy is stalked by him a little bit his friend lonnie um is teasing him so bad about the boogeyman that he falls over and squishes his pumpkin. Which is sad, but it's also funny. So they only had like three or four pumpkins because it was filmed off season and in California. So yeah. it was like, it somehow they got a green pumpkin and they painted it orange. Yeah. And also, since this was filmed in California, despite being set in Illinois, they had a bag of painted leaves that they would scatter for the leaves to be blowing. And then they have to pick all those leaves back up. <laughs> also... They have, like, outdoor lockers in part of it. And I was like, that would not happen in Illinois. Yes, yeah, too it cold. It snows in October in the Midwest. As like, not Illinois every Illinois resident, I can assure you, we do not have outside no. lockers. So, yeah, Loomis sees... Okay, I always get confused with why this was such a clue to him. 
because he goes and he sees this red truck and obviously we can infer because we see a dead body but he doesn't that michael has killed the person who's driving the truck and stolen his clothes which is why he's wearing the coveralls mechanic coveralls but he picks up a pack a, a matchbook for rabbit oh, in it, red because remember Miriam has that in her car when they're driving that's the what beginning. it is okay yeah. I forgot about it. I was like wait I know that's significant but I can't remember <laughs> yeah it's because this remember he picks it up while she's driving and he looks at it and glances back down at it when she asks him a question about Michael yeah Which there's a horror vlog called rabbit and red vlog oh. that we follow on Instagram and I was like I was like, oh, I knew it had to do with something that I had forgotten about. But anyways, that's cool. he sees the matchbook, so he knows that Michael has been here, and he calls the sheriff. He's like, first he's like kind of mean about it. He's like, well, he's coming, and if you don't get it, it's your funeral or your coffin or something. And we, like I said, we have a lot of like Lori and Michael. It's, I, I want to just like, I want to breeze through it just because like it builds the suspense. It builds the suspense. We keep seeing him. I do want to talk about Lori and her best friends because they have a plan for Halloween night. They're all babysitting different kids. Well, okay, no. Annie and Lori are babysitting kids across the street from each other. Linda, who's played by PJ Souls, has to take her little brother trick-or-treating. And then she and her boyfriend, Bob, um, are going to come by and they're going to have a party. Which I still don't understand how they were all going to party together originally in the same house when they have two children, when Bob and Linda just wanted to, you know, fuck. Also, I think it's really interesting because they specifically mentioned that the parents are going to be home at 10 p.m. And I was like, that's really early, actually. Well, I guess you get done trick-or-treating when it's daylight, right? Because that's the other thing is, like, these kids are, like, trick-or-treating at, like, 3 p.m. Which I was like, I feel like we never started until, like, five. Yeah, I feel like that's how we like, were, too. But these kids are, like, trick-or-treating, like, right after school. It's like, they they changed clothes on the way home. And they're already trick-or-treating. Oh, you um, know what, Now You mentioned that a lot of the kids, when the, the scene with Tommy getting bullied by the kids, a lot of the kids were out of school in costume. So yeah. they wore their costumes yeah. to school. Yeah. And Tommy's a spaceman. But, you know, we have PJ Souls playing Linda, who's, kind, who's a cheerleader. And she's very, I don't really care about anything. I love PJ Souls. She's one of my favorite scream queens of this, like of the 70s and 80s. Because she not only lives in Carrie, played a mean girl. She was, she's also in Stripes, which I was like, oh, that's cool. Rock and Roll High School and The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, John Travolta. And she was married to Dennis Quaid at the time. Yeah. And they wanted Dennis Quaid to play her boyfriend, Bob, but he was busy. So... They ended up casting another person. Um, and then Annie is the sheriff's daughter. Yeah. Our other friend. Annie's boyfriend is grounded. So she doesn't get any fun time. But she wants him to sneak off. And she's played by Nancy Keys, But was billed as Nancy Loomis at the time. Which I wonder where they got that last name from. Mm-hmm. For Dr. Loomis. Um, oh, from Psycho. That, well, yeah. that and. I think, I think it's funny that her last name is Yeah, I think famous. it's like a funny coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. But she did a lot of John Carpenter movies, including Assault on Precinct 13, The Fog, and Halloween 3 um, as Linda as a different character. Which, again, John Carpenter wanted to do the American Horror Story thing before American Horror Story. Yeah. He used a lot of the same actors. And one did anthology, yeah. Yeah. Um, but she was also married at the time to the film's editor, Tommy Lee Wallace. But it's very much, I love this. Have you seen, Armand, have you seen uh, Summer Party Massacre? I have not. Okay. It's fantastic. 
Um, it's an interesting movie. We did it on the podcast last year. It's interesting because it was written by a feminist author and it's kind of poking fun at the slasher mm-hmm. genre and about how misogynistic it can be. But then, and a female director too, but the way it was edited was a bit misogynistic. Yeah. So yeah. it's an interesting look. Like there's a lot of layers to it from the director and the writer, but then there's just random like naked girl shots all over the place <laughs> where they did not have this written. But it's actually a very fun slasher. But there's like almost the same scene of those girls leaving school and talking about their sleepover. Yeah. As these girls making their plans. And so th- th- it directly parodies a lot of these slasher movies. My favorite scene I think in that movie still is that the pizza delivery man <laughs> is dead. And one of the girls is like, but do you think the pizza's still good? Oh my god, I love her. And yeah. then she eats the pizza. <laughs> she eats the pizza while the guy's lying there dead. And that's because like something so hot. You, you can see it like in today's kind of movies, but it was really surprising to watch a movie from like the early 80s. It's hilarious. Yeah. And the, the lady that wrote it, um, and now I'm blanking her name. She wrote Ruby Fruit Jungle. Um, Ruby Fruit Jungle, and she also wrote, um, she wrote a bunch of murder mystery books that my mom used to read. And Rita Mae Brown. Yeah. She's great. But this movie, it, they parodied this. And I was like, oh my god, this is what they're parodying. So anyways, Linda leaves. Lori spots Michael. And then Annie, like, teases her. Because the thing is, like, Lori is one of those girls who could get a date, but is shy. And also, like, she doesn't just want to date anybody. She wants to date Ben Tramer. Who doesn't Ben Tramer get murdered? yeah he's like ran over yeah Yeah. it's like a car accident he gets run over which is depressing yeah (laughs) but sorry spoilers for halloween too but um she just wants to date ben tramer and nobody else but there's a dance the next day which halloween in 1978 took place on a tuesday apparently so I, i don't know how the dance is on a wednesday Seems more like it's probably a Friday situation, but it's fine. Maybe they didn't think they could get it edited fast enough, so it would make more sense the next year. But Annie teases her when Michael isn't behind the bush because he disappears again. She's like, oh, he wants to take you on a date. So that's kind of like Lori's persona and her friend group is like, everyone else has kind of moved on. They have boyfriends and Lori's like, just not quite ready for that yet. Is being an old maid. I guess. I mean... (laughs) She's she's surviving, not thriving as a single lady, but there's time. So Annie ends up calling Lori to tell her that she's going to come pick her up. And she's like, so I talked to Ben for you, which I'm like, oh, my God, I hate when people do that. Yeah. shit. But also, I don't because like sometimes people do need a nudge in the right direction. But basically, Ben likes her, too. And Annie has told him, Lori's in love with you. Take her to the dance tomorrow. And Annie Lori's Oh my god, she's like mortified. But I'm like, I mean, but you got to the place you wanted to be, so like, it's so embarrassing. How could she keep saying that? You can tell what lines were ad libbed and not scripted because there's the PJ Souls where she's like, I always forget my chemistry book and my French book and my history book and my blah 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 blah, and she names every book you could possibly forget. And then this one is like, Lori just keeps going, oh no, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed. Why did you do that? And she keeps pacing too in the exact same way. Like, you're like, okay, so. Meanwhile, there's a crazy killer man under her window and she's like, it's fine. And then poor little Tommy sees him. Yeah. And poor Tommy's just like, the boogeyman. Yeah. And and I will say, I love the scene getting over to the babysitting area because I remember seeing this in high school. It's like, 
man, they're cool high schools. They're smoking a joint in the car. How cool. Um, but they're like smoking a joint and we find out Annie's dad is the sheriff who actually did also come back for yeah. Halloween kills. Uh, Charles Cyphers, who was also in Assault on Precinct 13 made in Major League in The Fog. So a lot of John Carpenter stuff. And he and Loomis are now kind of in it together. They go to the Myers house to find a dead dog, which is always sad. And that's supposed to be Lindsay's family dog, right? The Wallace's dog? Not yet. Okay, it isn't. Okay, and that's what I was no, like. No, no, because... No, that Lester's still there. Okay, he is? Okay. Until until he, he kills Lester later. Okay, but yeah, so we don't see this dog, though. And that's no, what kind of confused me. It's just, just like a random dog. They're just like, oh, it's a dog. It could be raccoons. I'm like, what? A raccoon killed the dog? I don't think so. Right, so we have Michael Myers eats a dog. He eats <laughs> a he's dog. hungry. He's I mean, but it's this... safe to say that Michael Myers is not Michael Myers anymore. At this point, he's the shape. Yeah, well. What's interesting yeah. to me too is that like we know Some because when we meet when we meet Annie's dad, the sheriff, when we meet Sheriff Brackett, it's literally they're implying that he broke into the hardware store because he stole the mask and like rope. And, yeah. Which, what was he doing with the rope? He never used yeah. the rope. But that's what's like, okay, so you're capable oh, bodies you're capable point. of breaking into things why didn't you just like steal some food like why eat the dog like are you just that evil like he ate the dog first to get energy to steal the mask maybe which i'm sure everyone knows this but the mask was like a uh, it weirds me out that they had this mask but it was a william shatner mask Mm -hmm. because i'm like i mean this was the 70s star trek was in the 60s like why would you still have a william shatner mask it was probably like a inexpensive mask at the time because they bought like three or four right because i heard they bought a clown mask that would have been related to his childhood mask that he killed judith with it didn't look dead enough though yeah they were like okay they're like but this emotionless one looks more scary the big thing about michael myers is he's emotionless yeah those have dead eyes evil eyes the blackest eyes according to loomis <laughs> it's like the I, I like say, that monologue. Is it almost like those eyes? I, yeah, it's yeah. I like USS Indianapolis with Quinn. Like, are, um, we, are we? I think Quinn and Loomis should have yeah. had a buddy call. You know what though? I do love that. I spent seven years trying to reach him, and another eight making sure he never escapes or never gets out. I'm like, that is a really good speech to have in this movie. Yeah, yeah, it is. Not, and I mean, he did try to reach Michael, but he's the shape. So. Yeah. There's no reaching There's him. There's no reaching him, apparently. Yeah. Um, so this is when the movie kind of takes a turn in the slasher. So the first person that gets killed is Annie. Actually, first it's Lester the dog. Okay, and, and no Annie. animals were harmed in the making of this they movie. They weren't. You can see in the movie, he literally is picking up this German shepherd. Yeah. And, like, it's fine. They basically, what they did is that they just had him lower him down in slow motion. Yeah. So, but no animals were harmed. Very well-behaved dog, by the yeah. way. But so we've got Lindsay, uh, who is who Annie's babysitting across the street, who's played by Kyle Richards. I'm sure y'all know who Kyle Richards is. I never would have known because I never watched Real Housewives, but she actually was in The Watcher in the Woods, which was like a she Disney, was, and that scared the shit out of me. When I, I know was a we kid. talked about that yeah. on a couple episodes ago, and she and her sister were both on Little House on the Prairie for several Aww. episodes. So she and her sister are the sisters of Paris Hilton's mom, Kathy Hilton. They're all sisters, and the two of them did a lot of child acting work. But Lindsay, Annie, like, I like Annie. Annie does a couple really funny things. She spills butter on her clothing, so she decides to 
stripped naked, basically, and wear a button-up to go do laundry. And their laundry room is, like, a, not attached to the house, which upset me. Yeah, that's actually Samantha lives in an older home. Remember, her laundry room is outside, it's bullshit. too. bullshit. Yeah. Fix it. Very inconvenient, but it was a thing back it's then. It's terrifying at yeah. night. <laughs> I'm like, hell no. I remember when I was a little kid, we had rabbits as pets, and they had their little hutches in the backyard. And I would forget to feed them before it got dark sometimes. And my dad would be like, well, they're your rats. You have to go feed them. But there were cave crickets, which I don't know. Armand, do you have cave crickets in Illinois? I don't even know what that is. They're giant nighttime active crickets, nocturnal crickets, and they jump at you. So try being like an (laughs) eight-year-old running through the backyard and there's just all these crickets and they jump at you. And it was terrifying. I'm sure it was hilarious for my parents to watch, honestly. But um, I hate Yeah, we them. don't have big bugs like that. Um, She does, you know, the obvious thing is just like, I'm just going to borrow this button up. I was like, it's just butter. But and she's going to go pick up her boyfriend. So she finally lets, like, walks Lindsay over to Lori's house to dump her on her. Meanwhile, Lester, the poor puppy, has been not really killed, but killed by Michael Myers. Lindsay, obviously, is, like, already friends with Tommy, so they're going to watch a movie. They're watching The Thing from Another World. Which is great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is what The Thing is based on, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. Which y'all already know about The Thing, because we did it. It was our first episode this season. Yeah. And... Uh, so basically, and I did want to say real quick, Annie's boyfriend on the phone, because we hear his voice, is played by John Carpenter, which is a really cool little... That's hilarious. Back though. So she gets in her car, and Michael's in the back seat. Oh, yeah, and he chokes her to death and then stabs her. And she honks the horn like a smart person, and nobody hears her. And that always upsets me watching it. Yeah. Or they just don't care. They just care. Just think about it. Because there's this iconic scene after after this with Laurie Strode. Yeah. Yeah. Running in terror, calling for help, and people hear her, and they choose to ignore her. Until the, she sends the children, then they're like, oh, okay, we'll call the cops. Yeah. Well, the only one that noticed was Dr. Loomis, because he just happened to be there. Well, no, the cops, you can hear the sirens afterwards. Okay. Because remember, she told she told Tommy and Lindsay to go oh, call yeah. the cops. Yeah. I, I mean, I think with the people thought was like oh it's a crazy girl because remember this isn't her neighborhood this is her and you know what i guess i hate to say it but they also maybe thought it was a prank too yeah oh because that's the other thing is the sheriff is saying kids are just pranking everybody like it's awful tonight like when he meets up with loomis so it could be a prank but i want to think that those people went and called the cops or like just called the local police department and said hey somebody was like banging on our door you might want to check it out that's what I hope and pray. Yeah. Because I understand. I'm glad we don't have a higher body count for them. But I'm also like, but why didn't you fucking answer the door when she needed help? I do have to say, so I know in the next scene, uh, so obviously, I feel bad. I just blanked on PJ's character's name. Linda. Okay, Linda. Linda and Bob. And Bob. Okay, this is the first time I caught this. I've probably seen this movie. I would say line that he said. Yes. Yeah. So Bob is like talking about. He's like, "We're gonna rip. I'm gonna rip your clothes off. You're gonna rip my clothes off, and then we're gonna rip Lindsay's clothes off." I'm like, "Lindsay, like and, the ten year old Lindsay's clothes off." Yeah. I was like, "Lindsay, like the ten year old girl. You're talking about ripping her clothes off. What?" And they are drunk, but it did not age well. Yeah. I was like, "That is, you're a fucking creep." Like, very, very fucking creep. But yeah. ironically, Bob's, not Bob's death, 
but Michael after Bob's death is my favorite. Oh, the, the head movie. tilt. Oh, well, it's the whole, well, we'll get to yeah. it. So, so they go to the house. They think that Annie's just out. So they're like, I guess we'll just have sex in this stranger's bed as you do. I will say this very quick. So I I was a very like straight edge teenager myself, but I did go to a house party. I was the only sober person the whole night. I remember everything that happened. And you were all of it down. For yeah, I remember everything to this day that happened. That's one of the greatest things about being sober at that house party. You're like, I know all these stories. But there was a room in this house dedicated to Herbie the Love Bug. What? Oh, yeah. Like, it was Herbie the Love Bug memorabilia, <laughs> plushes, comforter, everything. And multiple kids were hooking up in that room during that what night. It was the Love Bug room. Yeah. It They were taking it literally. <laughs> I feel so bad, like the person in that house once they stumbles across this podcast. <laughs> Do you think they just found a lot of condoms? Oh god! Everyone. I mean, but yeah, kids are kids are wild. So, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so they're having sex in a stranger's room. Meanwhile, Michael has gone into the house. They don't know this. And PJ's like, well, Linda's like, get me a beer. So Bob goes downstairs to get a beer, and Michael. I mean, it's a pretty awful kill. It's probably one of the most interesting kills of the movie because he, he like stabs him so hard that he sticks him on the wall. Right, and he just stays there <laughs> like for little, the time being, like a little decoration, like a little decoration. Well, just yeah, just stop. He's deliberate. He's a Halloween decoration. Yeah, he goes, look at my artwork. I'm so proud. More people really need to adopt that practice and just make little dummies of Bob all over their house. (gasps) That'd be funny. That would be fun. I just love his head tilt, like that he does. Like it's like, hmm, do I like this here or do I want to move? So the next part is my favorite part because Linda is in bed (laughs) doing her nails. Because why do you have an emery board? You, but anyways, she's like, you know, doing her nails, and she's like, "Where's my beer, Bob?" And Bob, which is actually Michael Myers at this point, is dressed as a ghost, and he even like thinks to put Bob's glasses (laughs) on top of it, and it is my favorite visual because then she goes, "Wait, I wrote down the line because I love." She goes, "Very cute," or something like that. I wrote it down, "Cute, Bob, real cute." What's the matter? Can I get your ghost bomb? I love it. I love PJ Souls. And she does not understand that it's not Bob. And so she calls Lori. And before she can say anything, she's being strangled with the phone cord by Michael Myers. But Lori thinks she's making like fake sex noises. Because I will say, like, I was watching some reviews and people were pointing out, like, it's all about sex. I don't know if I agree with this because a lot of people are like, the reason Michael killed his sister was because he had been voyeuristically watching her and her boyfriend multiple times and he had an unhealthy exposure to sex. And so now every time he sees people have sex, he wants to murder them. No, and no. That, and they were like, oh, and the knife is a phallic symbol. And so he's no. trying to repeat ways. I don't really buy into that. That is what we call reaching. It's reaching. But I will say the moans that the girls do, especially this, like even Lori says like, oh, now I I got to see your your famous gum chewing now i get to see your your world famous porking or oinking or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that yeah 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 so 
But I think they're reading too much into it. I think it's somebody who's like, girls equals sex equals uh, Freudian slips, I guess. I don't know. I think the biggest takeaway in this scene, because I love this scene where he's dressed as a ghost and has the the glasses over it. (laughs) Because I I always like, why did Michael do this? But like watching this, like Michael Myers is an underrated goofball. He's right? a rascal. He's so a rascal. rascal. <laughs> 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 Michael it. Myers, you rascal. You rascal, you. Oh, my God. But you know what? It's also like his sense of humor. If he's been in a sanatorium like his whole life since he was six, and it's like he's trying to be funny but doesn't know how to be funny. It's like kind of sad, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, he doesn't do anything this whimsical the rest of the movie, but, like, it is my favorite part. And I'm just like, I just love, like, the whole visual of just him, like, in a ghost sheet with the glasses on top. That has to be the artwork. I mean, there yeah. was no other choice. It has to be, so. And if you don't get it, then, you know, the Ooh, girls who whore. get it, get it. The girls who don't, don't. <laughs> Anyways, so Linda's down as well. And I will say there's a really cute little interlude where like Lori and Lindsay and Tommy have done the jack-o'-lantern and they're like, they've lit it and they're very ceremonial with it. They're like, Ooh. oh yeah, they're making like no noises and stuff. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. And they're like putting it on a table. It's like, I mean, I just kind of put mine on the porch, but you know, you do you. I guess things are different in Haddonfield. But Lori is, she notices, oh, Tommy sees Michael. Yeah. And Lori doesn't see him, but she does see all the lights go out. And she's like, that's suspicious. So she's like, oh, let's run. Let's go over. She walks. This is probably, this is the part where apparently everyone in the movie theater, when she first saw it, was screaming at her not to go in that house. Because, like, it's not the, it's not the theme music. It's the dun. Yeah. Dun-a. Dun-a. Dunna music. So good. It's my favorite music in this movie because I'm always like, uh, because it's unrelenting, like Michael is, and you're just like, oh my god, and you think he's gonna like pop out of somewhere, but it's much more suspenseful than that. And this is like, okay, wait, this is whimsical. This is whimsical because she goes up because earlier we have seen that his sister Judith, mm-hmm. her gravestone is missing, which yeah. is why Loomis like, oh, he's definitely here, and you're like, first of all. Was it in the car the whole time? Yeah. I'm not really sure. I guess so. Where was he carrying it? Because Lori goes in the house. The lights are all off. She doesn't know where her friends are. She goes up to the bedroom. And there's a jack-o'-lantern on the bedside table. And there's a giant headstone, like gravestone. His sister's gravestone. Judith Meyer's gravestone. And Annie just sprawled out. Which, of course, makes Lori scream. Which, apparently, Jamie Lee Curtis had never screamed before. Oh, wow. This movie. She was like, she's like, I mean, who screams? Like, nobody, like, screams in real life. I'm like, well, that's because you had a, apparently a charmed life, Jamie Lee Curtis. But <laughs> I scream all the time. <laughs> but I'm easily, not spooked, but I'm easily surprised. So, um, <laughs> she screams at that. Then she turns around and Bob's, like, upside down oh, body yeah. swings towards her. Which I guess that's what the rope was for. And so she screams again. I'm like, this is very elaborate, Michael. And then the the closet door opens. It's like the linen closet. And Linda's just like, eh. And so she's like, ah! And she goes out into the hallway. And Michael, like, stabs her in the arm. Yeah. And she's like, oh, no! And so she literally, like, falls down the stairs. Yeah. But she gets up. And, like, 
the thing is, like, while she was up there, he's not only, like, blocked the front door, but the back door as well with yeah. a rake. Like, he is very smart. And she, so, because she goes for the front door first, it's locked. So she goes to the kitchen, locks the door behind her, which was very smart. But of course, it's like a plywood door. So he is going to be able to get through it. And then there's a rake blocking the outside of the French doors in the kitchen. So she has to like punch a hole through it to get the rake out of the way. And so she does get out. And this is when she walks to that. She runs to the neighbor's house and they won't open the door. And then this is probably the worst, the scariest part for me is she's running to her to Tommy's front door and Tommy and Lindsay have already fallen asleep yeah and she's pounding on the door and she's like she throws like a plant at the window it breaks and she's like Tommy let me in and the whole time Michael Myers is just walk, walking like casually walking towards her across the street yeah and it's terrifying and every time that part happens like open the door Tommy oh my god so she's a good babysitter, though, because yeah. she makes sure the kids are safer. She's like, go upstairs, lock the door, don't ask questions. And she hides. She turns off all the lights, which is smart. She grabs a knitting needle, which I'm like, I would have gone to the kitchen first and seen if there are any other knives. But OK, knitting needle because she notices a window's already open, which how did he already get a fucking window open? Yeah. Like he moves so slowly. And yet he does. I think he, I think you're right on one. I think he does teleport. Yeah. So anyways, uh, she stabs him in the neck with a knitting needle. Yeah. And you're like, oh, she's like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> and she drops the knife because she picks up his knife and then she immediately drops it. Lori. <sighs> she runs upstairs. She gets the kids. She's like, I need you to go do this. And they're like, but wasn't that the boogeyman? She's like, I killed the boogeyman. And then, of course, he's like right behind her. And they're like, no, he's right there. And so she has to like shove the kids in another room again. Yeah. Run into a closet, which as they explore behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon is a womb like place. It's yeah. a what's the opposite of phallic. Now I can't remember the name. Uh, I know. Sapphic. Yeah. Sapphic. sapphic. Wait, or sapphic lesbian. Oh, wait, yeah, that's right, too, isn't it? Anyways, something with mm. ovum, maybe? Anyways, if you want to believe in imagery and all that, have you seen Behind the Mask, Armand? I've seen Behind the Candelabra. Oh, well, very different movie. It's, it's not the same? I, it's not. It's a little different. Behind okay. the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon is a pitch-perfect satire horror movies and it's a mockumentary style it is one of my favorite halloween movies ever i it was on shutter for the longest time i would highly recommend watching it it's fantastic it's kind of a horror comedy but it goes through all the tropes of horror movies and all the mythology of it but it's like this camera crew is following a michael myers type slasher as he prepares to go on a halloween night killing spree like for real yeah, well, I mean, it's a mockumentary. But, yeah. And they're not sure if he's for real or not. So the movie eventually takes a turn. Mm. And oh it changes. God. It's really good. It is Someone, really good. Yeah, we, pretty good. I think we watched it our first. We did, Halloween. yeah. I didn't, I never seen it before. Katie picked it one year. But I was like, wow, I actually really liked it. So, it's yeah. And it was one of those things I was like, in college and someone on my sorority hall was like just popped it in the dvd when we were all like chilling one day and i was like oh my god i love this also they use the song psycho killer a lot which is a 
fantastic talking head song. Anyways, but they go through the whole, oh, now I'm really, I can't remember what the opposite of phallic is. I don't yeah. think it's sapphic. I think sapphic is lesbian. Oh, vulva. <laughs> well, that's different anatomy. Yonic. <laughs> Yonic. Yonic. Yeah. That's what it's Yonic. called. Which is Yonic. a Sanskrit word for it's vagina. It's Sanskrit. Yeah. Anyway, so Yonic if you want to feed into the whole symbolism of horror movies, I don't think John Carpenter, John Carpenter said a lot of laws movies. He didn't intend all of these things. George Romero is the same way, but like, if you get that out of the movie, cool. But anyways, just, she goes in the closet and she gets this time a wire hanger, which Joan Crawford would be furious about, but she gets it and she stabs him in the eye with it. Yeah. Which is gnarly. Honestly, that actually sounds awful because, like, I can imagine what it would feel like to be poked in the eye with like a metal thing. It's like teeth pain, but it's really smart like, though ugh. that she does that. Yeah, like yeah. she has no other resources and she makes one, and so. she makes one. Yeah, and so now she's like, I've definitely killed him this time. Mm -hmm. And she gets Tommy. This is the, the most famous part. She gets Tommy Lindsay, and she's like, Hey, I want you guys to go to the neighbor's house and call them and tell them to come get him and michael's in the background as the kids run out loomis has figured out what house michael has to be in because he saw the car and so he's walking up the path as the kids are going ah! yes which is funny because like they weren't <laughs> screaming and then like as soon as they open the door they're like ah i was like okay well maybe they're just trying to get help i don't know yeah exactly <laughs> It was a little silly. Um, but Loomis is like, well, screaming children. I guess this is where Michael is. And he just waltzes into the house. And Lori is like, you know, like she's like taking a rest again. She's like, I did it. And then you just see Michael very slowly rise up in the background <laughs> and turn his face oh, towards her. And goes, oh, the, good. You know, people were screaming. I'm sure. I think I did probably the first time I saw it. I was like, no. Um, but luckily for Lori, because he attacks her, Loomis is there and shoots him like, what, six times? Yeah. Just bam, 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 and shoots him out the window. He which falls I love down, Yeah. Laying there lifeless. And you're like, oh God, he's finally dead. And Lori just goes, it really was the boogeyman. And he's like, <laughs> which was kind of wow. silly. It really is. She looks at the camera. It's yeah. Home. It's yes, it was. Happy Halloween! <laughs> so Lori's like, it really was the boogeyman. And Loomis is like, as a matter of fact, it was. But oh then, he's gone. He's yeah. gone. And I love this editing, is they just show different shots of the house where he could possibly be. Oh. While he's breathing. And it makes, you, breathing, it yeah. makes you wonder if Halloween Ends is going to end like that, too. Like, there were <sighs> shots of the house. Yeah. I hope so. I think that's too good, so it's probably not going to happen. Oh, probably too good. Not. Too good. Okay. I don't know. I'm curious now, but I don't know. We're at the end of this movie. Yes. So, final thoughts. Other than we know we all love this movie, is there anything we don't love about this movie that we want to talk about? Any any rough spots? I do think it's a sign of the like the decade the film was made. Especially Annie's death is so goofy to me. Like he's strangling her, and she's like, eh, and like her tongue's like hanging out, and her <laughs> eyes go cross. And even when she like dies and she lands on the horn, her eyes are crossed. And I mean. I thank God I never saw anyone strangled in real life. Oh my God. But at the same time, it just seemed really goofy and out of place. But I think that's yeah. like the acting style in the also, 70s. I will say I've been watching a lot of like horror TV, sh like documentary, like TV shows, just because that's what I like to do this time of year. 
And, like, I forgot Tom Savini was, like, a war photographer in Vietnam. Oh. And that's why his gore is so good, because he's seen it. I will say, like, also the line that I'm glad you mentioned, you you mentioned that line with the, and we'll rip Lindsay's clothes off. That's a not age well. Yeah. It's a little weird. I guess I never weird. really thought of who that character was. I was like, oh, right. it's another like their friend yeah maybe he was supposed to say Lori's clothes off and he messed up and said Lindsay's, and they couldn't retake it oops yeah shot on film but yeah. they keep could, going it's could fine. they technically have dubbed it though but well, maybe it, and i mean in their defense it could have been something like that like he messed up the line and then maybe they were so focused on other elements during the editing that they yeah. just didn't even catch that like, completely you think at this point they could have edited it <laughs> But what's funny is I've seen this movie like seven or eight times, and this was the first time that I went. Whoa, yeah, I think wait. For me too. I was like, "What? Excuse me." Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, Bob was played by John Michael Graham, who didn't do a lot of film, but he was a background dancer in Greece. Ah, I will say, if you are a gore fan, this might not be the movie for you. This is not about gore. This is about suspense because it is right. very reminiscent of Hitchcock. Yeah, because like I showed this to friends a few years ago, and they're like horror newbies. But like I was like, I'm gonna show you like this is such so a great slasher film, and they yes. watch and they're like, I mean, I get it. This is the film that started it all, but like this isn't what I expected. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's so good. They were let down. I think it also depends on like what, like if you're introduced to these movies as like a kid versus like as an adult. Yeah. I definitely saw this movie as a kid probably sooner than I saw other horror movies that have been around for a long time. Probably because there isn't that much gore. Yeah, that's true. And my parents didn't feel like it was that inappropriate, you know? Even though it's just a bunch of girls getting murdered. But it's not. <laughs> and there's Bob and Bob. Well, I think even, like, I saw Psycho very young, and oh, I thought that was so that... scary. And the scene that really scared me in Psycho was the guy falling the down the stairs. The yeah. staircase scene. Yeah. It's the scariest part. It's so scary. And, well, and when they turn around the skeleton. And it's so funny, though, because we saw the Alabama Symphony uh, did it at our uh, classic theater, the, Al- the Alabama and so we were watching it, and my husband had never seen Psycho, and he just kept, like, sitting there every so often. He'd be like, where's Norma? He just asked me where Norma is because he only seen Bates Hotel, so he had no idea. Uh, well, she's kind of there. It's like, oh, don't <laughs> worry, she'll come. Her around, did you say, there's Norma? <laughs> there's Norma. Uh, it's like, I kept telling him, I was like, she'll come. You'll see her. You'll see her. I promise. She's here. So That's crazy that he didn't know about that. Um, Did we, did, did we have ratings out of 10 for this movie? I do. Okay, here you go. I'm going to start off strong. A 9 out of 10. Tight. I gave it an 8. Oh. Strong. Strong. I very rarely give a 9. So. I actually did give it a 9 out of 10, too. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now I, I feel like I should change it to an 8.5. I mean, it's just a classic. And if the only real qualm I have is some kind of weird acting there and people being killed, I'm like, that's a very well, small thing. Well, and the creepy child ripping clothes off. Line. Yeah, that's a that's a weird line, I too. I think that's what did it but, in for me this time. I mean, I it's like, iconic. Guys. Michael's iconic. I love Dr. Loomis. I love, like, the music, the score, the cinematography, the tension, the suspense. It's just, like, a complete classic in every yeah. sense of the way. Other than, I will say, there are some snafus, like him not looking at the person he's stabbing in the beginning. But they're all forgivable. Yeah. They're all forgivable. And it is, like, the perfect 
Halloween movie. So, did anyone make up a Grindhouse Girls rating for it? I got one. Oh, okay. I say this is rated S for senseless killing and strangled babysitters. Nice. Nice. I uh, rated it B for beers, babysitters, and boogeymen. That's what I rated it! Really? The exact same one. Really? All three? the exact same order. Really? I'm not even kidding. That is hilarious. Beers, babysitters, and boogeymen. What? What the hell? That is hilarious. We never have the same rating. We sometimes have like the same letter, but never the exact same rating. That's That's so funny. That's so funny. Oh my god, it's hilarious. Oh my god. (laughs) I like all of them. Uh, Both of them. I do. I do like I didn't even write a second one because I was like, that one's great. I just was like, babysitters and boogeymen. I literally threw the beers in there like last Just minute give me a beer bob but the babysitters and boogeyman i was like that's the two that's that's essentially what the their their jobs are Lori's the babysitter michael's the boogeyman so he is the boogeyman yeah they kind of lose the boogeyman angle in the later movies though mm-hmm. so what what's our favorite sequels 2018 oh. <laughs> really yeah over over halloween 2 yeah okay like halloween 2 is like it's good because we have them burning at the end which is awesome but 2018 is just it just elevates the series it does something interesting with laurie strode makes her this brutalized character from surviving michael myers and but it only happened once to her like in that context he didn't come back to the hospital for i mean her. that's pretty traumatic i do like that she became like a survivalist like yeah. she's like i'm ready for him like it's a very interesting take on like if there's different futures that could have happened for Lori. it's interesting to think that's one of them see i like Lori in h2o where she's like moved on she's put her life back together and she's like it's gonna be fine. And then she still kicks his ass. Yeah. So I loved H2O. I didn't think I was gonna like it. I waited many years to watch it. And when I finally watched it, I absolutely loved it. It was kind of stupid in that early 2000s horror movie way. But Laurie Strode as a hero was great. Yeah. And I really liked that version of her. Which is maybe why I wasn't on board for getting the new Halloween ones. Because I like how they rounded her character out in that. But I also don't like what they did in, like, Resurrection. I did not watch Resurrection. Okay, yeah. In Resurrection, she dies in, like, the first 30 minutes of the film. Yeah, so no. I think the first 10 minutes. I think it's, like, the first scene. Maybe. I knew it was, like, the first scene. But I didn't. I couldn't remember. It's been so long since I've seen it. But I couldn't remember. I remember her, like, dropping. Like, yeah. he stabs her and she drops. Because they kill the nurse in the beginning of H2O, right? It's been so long. Because I think, like, you see, like, she has, like, a bunch of newspaper articles about Michael Myers. And she's, like, retired. And she's, like, do-do-do-do-do, just in my kitchen. And then he just, like, shows up. And she's, like, I knew you were coming for me or something like that. I don't think she, I don't know if she says anything. I just was, like, oh, look, it's the nurse. Oh, she's dead. So I guess they pull that on Lori for Resurrection. When I was a kid, I did like the movies with Jamie, but also that's probably because I was a kid and I didn't have a real understanding of things. Because I thought it was interesting. Also, I didn't know until very recently that Jamie was actually going to be named Brittany, which I thought was cool. Because it was a popular name back then. But they changed her name to Jamie to honor Jamie Lee Curtis. So that's the reason Jamie is named Jamie in the series. Yeah. I mean, at least they tried to like kind of do something new with a new protagonist just unfortunately it did not work out 
Um, I think the Cult of Thorn thing is probably where the series started to get a little hokey. But yeah, but that's why they retcon all those movies, and now they're no longer considered canon. Yeah. So I would have to agree with the both of you that Halloween 2018 and Halloween H2O are probably the two second strongest in the series. But it's also funny because they literally wash away all the sequels, too. They both do, yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting. I don't know. Anything else we want to add to the Halloween franchise? I have one last thing. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, okay. So in preparation for this episode, I decided to go to Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. And I dragged my fiance because they had a Halloween they theme. Do. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah. Based on the original film. And let me tell you, they recreated the Myers house. <gasps> and I was literally walking into the movie. They had Ooh. actors that looked like Laurie Strode. They had actors that looked like Dr. Loomis. It was it was awesome. It was amazing. Oh, and they even had the scene uh with Michael Myers being a rascal wearing the, the ghost. <gasps> That's perfect. Oh my favorite. And the glasses. So it was awesome. It's so funny. We went to Halloween Horror Nights. It's been about four years ago now. And this is that was the year they did Stranger Things was their big house, but they also did Trick or Treat. And Trick or Treat see a exact same way as like walking into the film. Because you see like you first see like the kid throwing up and they had like this animatronic that was just constantly vomiting. <laughs> but you also saw like the bus half sunken in the <gasps> lake. But interesting enough, one of the haunted houses that year was also Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Yes, out of all the Halloween movies, it was The Curse of Michael Myers. Is that that when Jamie or is that when she's still there? Yeah, it was Jamie. Yeah. So So it was like little Jamie and like the clown outfit and stuff around certain corners. So, but yeah, that's amazing. How. So you walked in, you saw the Myers house. There was a scene with him with the sheet over his head. Was there any other things that were like really memorable about that particular house on Halloween Horror Night? I mean, I'll I'll go through like the main beats that they did. So like yeah. you do the original, uh, the beginning of the original movie where mm-hmm. he kills his sister. So you see Michael in the little clown costume with the knife. Uh, they have an actual kid playing that role. And then we see the sanitarium scene where he escapes. Dr. Loomis is like, the evil, the evil has escaped. <laughs> and uh, what else? They do the the whole like killing of like all of Lori's friends. Oh, they do like the laundry scene. So you go through the laundry. Oh. Michael Myers is around trying to spook you. Oh, that is cool. That's <laughs> and what was interesting was... Because, you know, at the end of the film where she's in the closet and she's like attacking Michael Myers, they recreate that where you're walking into the closet and you have Laurie Strode cowering, scared. And then Michael Myers is on the other side trying to get her, trying to get you. And let me tell you, I was a little bit thrown back because like, you know, they can't touch you, but like they get pretty close. And Michael Myers has like a knife. And I'm like, oh. So anyways, back to back to wrapping up this episode. Back to wrapping up this episode. I think I think we can all agree Halloween is a must-see Halloween film. And hopefully Halloween ends either goes super crazy goofy or remains true to the form. It's almost like we should like meet up and have just like an episode discussion of Halloween. Once we all see Halloween ends. <laughs> Let's discuss. Are you going to see Halloween ends this weekend, Armand? Yeah, probably. Okay. I have to know how it ends. 
for real this time. <laughs> Until 10 years later. I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'll get to see it this weekend. I feel like I'm probably going to have to wait to see it. I may, if it if it's on Peacock Friday night, I may try to watch it Friday night before. All right. Yeah. It is, it is mm. October. Yeah. Peacock October. Peacock October. Peacock October. So, but that's the only way I'm going to be able to watch is if we tune in Friday night. But we got to be up early Saturday yeah, morning. Wait, our, our friends, Dalton, friends of the podcast, Dalton and Sarah, are getting mm-hmm. married this weekend. Congrats, guys. Yay. So, we'll all be there. Although, they're going to go see it the night before their wedding. Yeah. Which I think is adorable. Yeah, Dalton is so cute because they're always, like, having dates. And yeah. so. Also, Sarah's apparently not as into horror movies as Dalton is, but she goes. Yeah. I guess we do have to go now. We uh, do. So we're going to have to bid adieu to you and you and you. But we hope you guys have a fabulous spooky Halloween. Be safe. Uh, wash your hands. Get your vaccinations. It's flu season, y'all. I'm going to get stuck pretty soon. Yeah. Get ready to feel like crap for two days. And yeah, just be safe out there and watch some spooky movies. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, Armand. Yeah, thank you so much. It's always so nice to have... It's nice to be on your podcast, Syndicate. Again, listen to it, guys. We love it. We're huge fans. Yes, would you like to plug anything? Oh my goodness. Yeah, this was a complete blast. And yeah, we talked about so much. And uh, yeah, I mean, having you uh, two on for the last two episodes uh, on my show was was great. And I'm glad uh, I could come on here and talk about Halloween, one of my favorite movies. So you can reach me at syndicate, that is C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E on all the socials. Uh, You can follow the podcast too, or it's a weekly show. So we talk about movies and we dive a little bit deeper into like themes and uh, then we talk about other stuff too. So if you want another movie podcast on your repertoire in your podcast Rolodeck, check us out. At Seneca.com. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And definitely check him out, guys. Like I said, we love being on his show. He's awesome. So yeah, go listen to some of his stuff. Yes. And I guess we're gonna have to say good night. Yeah. So uh we love you guys. We appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for sharing, liking, listening, commenting. Um, if there's anything you want to see us talk about, if there's anything that we may have said that was wrong, please, you know, shoot us a DM, let us know. You can always correct us. We're not offended by that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much again. Yes. And we just look forward to seeing you next time. Um, same spoopy time, same spoopy channel. Stay spoopy, spoopy y'all. Okay.
The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.